Trauma. It's a word that you've probably heard thrown around quite a bit, but what is trauma, really? My name is Shanna White, but you can call me Shan. I'm a psychologist, and defining trauma is a pretty big part of my day-to-day life. But my job goes beyond providing a dictionary description of what trauma is, because that's just the tip of the iceberg, as they say. No, my job is to define trauma, to highlight its impacts, and most importantly, to help those who've lived through it to figure out how to thrive beyond it. I've spent years working with children, adolescents and adults trying to guide them through the process of recovering from complex trauma. Needless to say, I've seen and heard a lot and now you will too. But first, a trigger warning. This podcast deals with some pretty heavy topics including domestic violence, substance abuse, mental illness, crimes against children, self-harm, sexual abuse, multi-generational trauma, and suicide. If you don't think you're in the right headspace to deal with any of these topics right now, please cut yourself some slack, take a deep breath, and come back another day. I'll be here. I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and elders on all the lands on which we work and meet. I appreciate the significant place Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders hold, and I identify them as the first Australians. I value and celebrate Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander history, culture and future and I'm committed to supporting reconciliation through speaking the truth, pursuing justice and creating opportunities to heal together. I pay my deep respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders past and present and acknowledge all Aboriginal children, young people, families and staff who I provide services to now and in the future. I embrace and commit to the spirit of work and self-determination, empowerment and reconciliation. Part two of a three-part series. Over the years, it the 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 violence and, and the the abuse got worse. What what sort of happened at its at its worst? So I guess for me, like, I thought, okay, I almost died, right? Mm -hmm. So he's going to, like, pull his act together, right? Like, I'm his wife, I've got a kid now, you know, he's going to pull his act together, but he didn't. Um, I left that hospital and the abuse started straight away um, as soon as we got home. What happened? Oh, he just would verbally attack me, physically attack me, um, he wouldn't hold the baby. Um, and every time I asked him why he wouldn't hold him, he said, I can't talk about it. It's got to do with my past. So I became a single mum mm. overnight. Everything was my responsibility, absolutely everything. Um, and then years on, um, then it started getting really, really, really bad. Um, our bills started piling up. Um, we started having debt collectors sending us things in the mail. Um, I started waking up to have him strangle me in my sleep. Was, wait, sorry. Was he asleep or was he like awake? He was awake. And he would wait until you were asleep and then he would start strangling you? Yeah, in my sleep, yeah. What? I, sorry, my first instinct is to go wide, but. I, of course, you don't know the answer to that. That's mm. that must have been terrifying. 
Yeah, it was. Um, I think it was really terrifying because of the TV shows that he was watching as well. Um, and it's a difference between like a TV show and then it happening to you in your bed, you know, and um, I'm still unsure why, why really, I really am, but um, it did get worse from there. So um, Seth, and then I've actually had another baby in that time frame, Malachi, mm-hmm. um, and now I'm not allowed to see the children at all. Your, your own children, you weren't allowed yeah. to see them? Yeah. How, you lived in the same house. Yeah. So he so he locked the babies in a different bedroom and took the door handles off and they weren't allowed out and I wasn't allowed in. So who took care of the babies? Yeah, that's the sad bit. Nobody. Oh my god. Yeah. So I was locked in a different room and was starved and so were the kids. Like they were fed the bare minimum kind of situation, um, but it was, it, was, it was really bad, yeah. And how old was Seth at this time? So Seth was uh, just turning three and what actually happened, which was really quite um, bizarre to me, was when Seth turned two he came to me and said Seth's no longer a baby he's a man now and he took away the cot the teddies everything and then the trauma like if he if Seth did something bad the punishment would be treated like you were a man so I remember he was hung up upside down and put in a cold shower Um, the baby was Seth was yeah. Was two. Yeah. So he yeah. tortured him. Yeah. Yeah. Strangled him. I remember seeing that. I remember them being locked in cages if they were really bad. Cages. Yeah. And you all the time you're locked away yourself. You can't get out. Yeah. Sometimes he'd bring me out to watch. But I was never allowed to play with the children. I remember this one time he, was, he wasn't at home and so I took the kids out to play with them. I wanted to play with my children, you know. I wanted to put them mm. on the trampoline or whatnot. And um, he came home and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, playing with the kids. And he's like, no. And he put them back away. And I remember got, I got belted up real bad for it. But... Um, I think the worst one that I think will always stay with me was when he, oh, this one's hard, when he put Seth in a filing cabinet and I could just hear him screaming and I went up, like, I was like, I don't care if I get bashed up or what. I just need to get this kid out of this filing cabinet because he couldn't physically fit in. Um, and yes, yeah, so I, I, I went up and I, I got him out and then got completely bashed up from it. How old was Seth then? So he wasn't, he, he, he couldn't fit in that filing cabinet. So he would have been three and a half. 
I remember him trying to like shut the freaking filing cabinet and I kept on telling him he's not going to be able to breathe if you do that. It was the most horrendous scream I've ever heard in my life. So this went on for years. Yeah, it did. How did you get out? So what actually happened was so rent inspections for me were a trigger for a very long time because of this. Um, but basically what happened was um, there was a rent inspection um, and I remember like he was a gamer, like he would just always play on games and stuff in his own little reality world kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I went to him and I said, I need your help to clean the house. Now, what I haven't mentioned, but I'll mention now is when I would wake up in the morning, I would have a schedule. And I don't mean just a cleaning schedule. I mean like a day of Danielle's life schedule. So you know, 6 a.m. wake up, 6.10, go to the toilet, 6.15, shower, 6.20, do this. Like, it just was, like, very micromanaged. So when I went to him, he was like, why are you bothering me kind of situation, almost like I was his slave, you know. Um, And he would um, say to me also, like, if you don't do these chores... I can't reward you with um, buying you some clothes. So there was that as well. So he would burn my clothes if I didn't do chores. And if I was really good, he would buy me clothes. He would burn your clothes if you didn't do chores. Mm. This episode of The Trauma Tales is brought to you by Dr. Olga Laval and Associates award-winning providers of psychological services, including telehealth and phone consultations, empowering people to make meaningful changes to their lives. For more information, please go to www.olgalaval.com. Sorry. Yeah. So how did you get out? So basically, um, yeah, so then we got into a fight And right in front of the two children, he pushed me into a wall and strangled me straight up. There was no, like, time to scream, time to breathe, nothing. He just grabbed it. And I remember looking new in his eyes and it was just very different this time. It was like he was not there. And... I was like, I'm going to die. And I remember with my eyes looking over at the kids, just trying to get a glance of their faces and thinking this is the last time I'm going to see my kids. And then I blacked out. He dropped me on the floor thinking I was dead. And he didn't check on my heart rate or anything. And I remember hearing this voice say to me, you have to leave, this is real, this is really happening and you need to take the kids and never return. I remember hearing that voice very clearly Um, and that was really significant for me because I had come up with the conclusion from what he had told me. He would hurt me and then he would say, why 
why are you upset? And I'd be like, you just hurt me. And he'd be like, no, I didn't. That's in your head. That must be from your childhood. So I had come up with this thing, holy crap, like something's wrong with my brain. I need to go have a brain scan because I think this person is violently hurting me. So when I'm laying on the floor dead pretty much and I hear that voice say to me, it is real and it is happening and you need to leave with the kids and never return, I was like, whoa, you know? Wow. I There is nothing to say. Yeah, it was horrendous. It was really hard. I'm um, so sorry. Anyway, so for me, people say, well, why did you leave? Like, right? Like if you were in mm. a natural circumstance, you would be like, well, because they tried killing you, right? Mm. But for me, that's not the reason that made me come off airplane mode and go, holy crap, what am I in right now? Um and I believe that this shocks a lot of professionals when I say this. But for me, the reason why I left that day was because he didn't check on my heart rate. And it made me realise if you really loved me, like you said you do, wouldn't you check on my heart rate? Wouldn't you see if I'm actually alive? So you still had hope that... He loved you. Mm -hmm. He just yeah. tried to kill you and you still wanted him to love you. Yep. Yep. So and you... so for me, that was my point. Like everybody has, like I've spoken to many survivors and they're like, oh, it was this or it was this. Mm. But for me, it was that you didn't check on my heart right? So how can you love someone that you're not even willing to see if they're alive or not? And I remember when I was laying on that floor, hearing my little kid's footprint, like their little patters going mom and screaming really loud because they saw it. And they would have been tiny. Yeah. I don't know what he did with them at that point because I was gone by that point. But um, when I came to, um, I couldn't hold onto a wall or anything I couldn't see my I had blurred vision I couldn't breathe properly I had bruising all through my neck um it's a miracle that I'm alive it really is yeah it really is um but then he was just like look into my eyes look into my eyes look into my eyes and for the first time ever I said like well I couldn't speak but I said to my head do not look into his eyes so I wouldn't and then it's crazy to think back now. So then I drove him to work. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know how because I had blurred vision and everything. I'm surprised we're all still here today. I dropped him off at the train station and even still he's like, look into my eyes, look into my eyes, look into my eyes. Now I knew he had a brand new job so he couldn't stick around too long, right? So now mm. I've started getting tactical and strategic right mm. so I didn't look and I waited until we got to that point where he's like shit I'm gonna be late for work I gotta go and I remember him dropping the keys and then me going like just in the car just thinking 
oh my god what do I do now my children okay were so traumatized that they never cried ever for anything right so in my head I thought I had the most amazing children right like I just had these great children that never cried right no kids are supposed to cry so I'm just sitting in the car it's complete silence I take them to a park because I think I need to just work out what I'm doing and I sit at this park and I just sit there for ages and the thing that goes through my head is do I go back home and finish the rent inspection so we don't get kicked out of our home and die because I knew that I would die the next time I knew it yeah or do I tell someone and possibly get help and so I called my sister that day now my family had suspicions that something really bad was happening because instead of hiding it away he started acting out in front of lots of different people he started acting out you know when we had like people over our house he started acting out at family events. Like he would be like really aggressive to Seth and everyone's like, what are you doing? Like, you know, he's he started not hiding it anymore and just being really nasty. Mm. And so I told my sister and what, what I haven't mentioned is I wasn't allowed to speak to any of my family members. I hadn't heard from them in two years because one of them, one of my auntie, called child protection and said I think Danielle's in domestic violence I think the children are at risk and in my head I'm like why would you do that I'm not in domestic violence why would you bring attention to it I'll get in trouble for it well no because I didn't think I was in domestic violence at all because he had screwed with my brain that much that I thought it was all in my head. Yeah, that's right. Every yeah, last yeah. bit. Okay. It even got to a point where I remember going to a women's refuge for a friend that had just come out of domestic violence and me literally going, There, there, you poor thing. I can't imagine what you're going through. Oh. And I was yeah. literally going through the same thing. <laughs> that yeah. is how far I mean some of these women can be and people were like why wouldn't you just leave why wouldn't you just leave you don't even realize what you're in you got no clue yeah you're gone but you did leave out from society massively but you did leave I did I actually did leave Yeah. yeah I did you did it I did I went to a women's refuge and everything. I remember going to the police station and them crying. And I was like, why are the police crying? That's so weird, you know, like it's not even a big deal because still at this point I'm not thinking it's a huge deal. I'm thinking let's scare him enough so he stops acting like this, right? Like I'm still thinking I'm going to return. I just need to scare him a bit. So anyway, I tell the police everything. It's like word vomit, four years of word vomit comes flying out. The police start crying and tell me that this man is going away for a very long time to jail. 
And I say, oh, my God, no, 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 no. Because, and I'm saying this from any woman that has been in domestic violence, you were scared shitless of what they will do to you if you report them, right? Mm -hmm. Like your life is at huge danger. And I thought, oh, my God, what if he's locked away for like 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. And then... He comes out, he's going to be even more angry than what he is now. Yeah. And so I said, no, 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 no. You can't, you can't do that. Now, back when I went to the police station, there was no social worker for domestic violence. So no one spoke to me about my rights or what maybe I'm in or anything in that regard. And you had every right to say, I don't want to charge him for any of it. And the police couldn't make you. So they said, well, let's just charge him for aggressive behaviour, which was strangulation, because they could see the bruising all through my neck. Back then, before the bill was recently passed, um, strangulation and suffocation was aggressive behaviour if it was to a partner. See, this is what blows my mind about, like, the laws <laughs> because, because we were partnering up or knew each other, it was aggressive behaviour. But if he had strangled someone on the main street, that's attempted murder. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's why the bills have been passed and everything. That is the reason. That's ridiculous. Well, I think it's even further ridiculous that suffocation and strangulation weren't actually attempted murder. Like, regardless, like the bill has just been passed. Oh, my God. This episode of The Trauma Tales is brought to you by Cognitive Behavioural Education, providing training and supervision for people working with people who experience trauma. If you work with people, you know how challenging it can be sometimes and how you can end up having the wrong end of someone's day or having to deal with their trauma. CBE's training and supervision services can upskill and support you and your team to manage, de-escalate and thrive in these situations. For more information, go to www.cbe.net.au. So that's what happened. Um, and I got a restraining order and the police couldn't find me for a while because I was with a friend hiding out and they were really scared. But, you know, police call you on a private number, right? And you don't You're know not answering that. calling you, right? Yeah. So yeah. I wasn't answering. I finally answered. They said, listen, where are you? We need to take you to a women's refuge now. And I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, will tell you once we get you somewhere safe and they were really like firm with me Um, and it turns out he had a tracking on my car he had tracking on my phone he um, had previously been in another domestic violence situation and that's actually why he left that state really quickly (gasps) with me when he was 16 He'd already been known to the police for domestic violence. That's why he left. Yeah, and people That's were why he wanted to leave getting ready to Oh, my you. God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, I know. 
blows your mind, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm. And the police look at him like a psychopath. They've told yeah. me. Yeah. Yep, that's on um, literally said, as you're as you're going through this. Because he didn't get you, he'll get the third one and she will die. And I said, Well, can't you stop it? You know? Now, for years and years and years, I went to psychologists and I'm like, just let me write her a letter. Nope. I need to write her a letter. I need to warn her. And for years and years they'd say to me, would you have listened to the letter? Mm-mm. You know, because he told me, he told me once that there was this girl that he was with and she would bash him. <gasps> they always fucking say that. Oh, my God. They always yeah. say that. They always accuse the woman of being the abuser. Like, that is such bullshit. Yeah. And so, you know, I came to the conclusion that I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, they're right, even though I don't want them to be right because I want to save this girl's life, right? I can't and I have to let it go. And it was it was hard. That was a really hard thing to do. Yeah. Oh, my God. But, yeah, so we're in the women's refuge now and Seth starts acting like a complete, like, possessed child, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what the heck is going on with Seth? He's normally so quiet. He never speaks, you know, rah, rah, rah. And they're like, because he feels safe for the first time in his life, he is showing his feelings and letting it all out. And I mean, Mm. he let it all out. Oh, my God, those poor babies. Mm. And then Malachi started speaking for the very first time. We just thought, I thought he was like a slow speaker. (laughs) But, you know, he was just so scared to move. Like his his brother saved his life one day when it was 40 degrees heat and they were locked in that room and they could not breathe at all. And he got this McQueen car and he smashed it through the window so that they could survive. Oh, my God. Kids are very smart. And, like, and he was like, what, two and a half back then? And his baby brother? in a cot so you the the police took you and found that he was yeah and then they sat me down and they said everything um and then child protection came and then um they said to me are you thinking about going back and I said no and they said "Well, well we're glad you said no otherwise we'd be taking your children right now I'm like right okay And then that's where it kind of like clicked into play for me that I wasn't going to go back. And back then we had little SIM cards. So I remember (laughs) taking it out of his phone and cracking it so that he wasn't able to contact me anymore. And in that time he was contacting me even at the women's refuge and palming me off money. And that's what they do. They're like, oh, you need money, though. You need money, though. So they'll, like, attach you any way they can yeah. to keep the communication going. Oh, my God. Mm. <sighs> it's. Yeah. So what does he have? Does he see the, the voice at all now? Like, when was this? Uh, it's probably nine, nine years ago now. Um, so basically. 
I went to court and the restraining order, he tried um, he tried contesting the restraining order, which most of them apparently tried to do. Yeah. Um, and the magistrate literally threw it back out of court straight away and said there's no way you were ever getting to see these children again. How dare you even think that? And you're going to have to fight real hard in a different courtroom to make that happen. And I think that's when he got scared off, you know, mm-hmm. but the courts were really serious with him. They, they, they restricted him from all those rights immediately like that. And what about like criminal charges for what he did to you? Just got away with everything. What? Yeah, he got away with everything. He got a slap on the wrist. So where is he now? He's around. He's definitely around. He's married. Stop it. He's not. He, he is. He's married to a woman in community services. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I want, an, I want to contact this woman now. Mm, I know. It makes you think, doesn't it? Holy shit. And, and I'm feeling a little anxious, actually. I've got to be honest. Like, I want to cry a little bit. And it's full on. It's intense. It's yeah. so much, Danielle. Um, and then there's like even more after that, you know, like with the whole Seth stuff, like what happened to Seth. It's just like. What happened to Seth? <sighs> so obviously, Seth witnessed a lot of stuff. This is the end of part two. Thank you for joining me today on The Trauma Tales. Now is a good time to go and do some self-care, especially if this tale resonated for you. If you'd like to reach out to The Trauma Tales to be a sponsor of the show or to come onto the show, please email thetraumatales, all one word, all lowercase, at gmail.com. This podcast is a production of Shanna White Psychology.